Well, that's why there's a difference between Black Lives Matter, the organization, and Black Lives TM. Matter, yeah, the the yeah. movement, and um, yeah. doing things like their little, uh, you know, symbolic Black Lives Matter in the street, uh, and then making it say equals defund the police is yeah. No, no, there's still definitely radical elements, radical elements of the movement. I'm just talking about like the official organization. It's just like pretty thoroughly co-opted by the Democrats at this point. It's been pretty defanged. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting because the Democrats like in 2015 uh, took great pains to distance themselves from Black Lives Matter and completely just ignored them in the 2016 elections. But they all Uh, participated in Blackout Tuesday this week, so... Along with Nike, Adidas, um, Walmart, Target, <laughs> and the real source of revolutionary change, you know. Yeah, I didn't even know what it, I'm. I don't know. I I don't know. I didn't. I, I I saw people complaining about it, but that's it. I didn't know it was supposed to be happening. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Regrettable Century. I'm Chris. I'm Kevin. I'm Jason. And I'm Jenny. And today we are talking about the end of policing. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's some shit that's been going down lately. Yeah, some insane shit. I actually have been thinking about how uh, I wanted, like I knew when we were were recording uh, last week, uh, I think I remember saying something about, uh, you know, we're... This shit is just getting, has just started happening, and we're probably going to release this and be like proven wrong by, uh, you know, reality as soon as it's uh, been, we've actually posted the episode. Um, So it's kind of hard to put ourselves out there. But uh, there's something that the way that we discussed it last, uh, the uprising that's going on right now, uh, the way that we discussed it last week, uh, I think that I was. Uh, dismissive of it in a way that um, I, I I really want to clarify now because I've encountered at least um, at least some uh, individuals in um, left organizing spaces that I share who took the same sort of pessimism about uh, the possibilities of what could be coming out of uh, the uprising and drew uh, a conclusion that uh, I would hope nobody uh, nobody else is uh, drawing, but I didn't make, or drawing from what I said, uh, uh, but that I didn't make explicitly clear. But and, and so I, I want to I want to sort of backtrack and make it explicitly clear, explicit like no no question, no bones about it that uh, this is a, a historic moment, and there is no excuse for anyone who considers themselves. A leftist to uh, stand idly by uh, in in this time. Engagement with uh, what's happening right now needs to be done in a clear-headed way, and not get uh, you know not uh, lose oneself uh, into some sort of fervor, uh, thinking that something is happening that it's not it, that is not actually happening. Because I, I think that that's going to be counterproductive. But no one should take uh I, I i hope that no one takes from anything that i said that uh that the left shouldn't engage uh in the current uprising 
The only thing that we really said about it that I think that people might consider negative is that we we kind of joked around about the idea that this was the revolution starting, and yeah, that I it's not you know it's like it's not obviously, but like we would be real fucked if it was because yeah. we've got <laughs> we've got no organizations that are capable of even threatening to to move in the direction of seizing power historically when there's a revolutionary situation and it all goes to shit the reaction is terrible and if we don't have organizations to defend us then uh then we can expect to be ground under the boot heel of the reaction so mm-hmm. i mean it's not the revolution you know what it is is it's a kickoff of another, a period of struggle it is an uprising uh, I think. though yeah and, oh yeah absolutely and i think i mean that- I, it, that's an, we said that. an honest way to put it. Yeah. It's a revolt, an uprising. Um, I think it's too dismissive to call it riots, you know, because it's obviously the just explosion of social pressures, right? And not like people got too drunk and went crazy after the fucking Spurs won the championship, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely an, an uprising of sorts. But the result of it, it is people radicalizing at a more rapid rate mm-hmm. than they have in the past memorable yeah. past, you know? Right. Um, and I think it is proving that like the belly of the beast, Minneapolis is like maybe a decade ahead of a lot of other places um, in, tor- yeah. in, in terms of organization, in terms of proposing solutions, in terms of like actual demands and, you know, picking winnable fights and things like that. So, super interesting about Minneapolis is they're one of the test testing grounds for uh, the touchy feely fucking liberal NGO version of uh, police reform that Obama was was pushing. And uh, it had literally no effect at all. uh, I think that Minneapolis is a perfect example. Same with Chicago, who currently has all eight of the eight can't wait demands implemented and is still one of the most brutal and racist police departments in the country. So, I mean, I think that's going to, you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today is perfectly illustrated in those two, those two cities as being complete failures of, of like, liberal um, technocratic reform. And uh, Minneapolis is crazy. Like, we really don't, we really don't know what is going to come out of that yet. We know that the city council has promised to... Um, disband and reconstitute the police in a uh, in in a very vague fashion. We don't know what anything looks like right now. I know that <laughs> my heart wants wants to believe that it's going to be something good, but my brain's telling me don't get too optimistic. But because uh, because I just know that the Democrats are already undergoing this, are already implementing a wholesale just recuperation assault right now to totally like hamstring and take over the movement and we'll see whether or not people are going to be resistant to it i have faith that it's not going to be just sucked up wholesale into the to into the joe biden re-election campaign but i think a lot of it is going to be siphoned off um perhaps i I mean i think it's an underestimation of like the sophistication of the organization in minneapolis in a lot of ways um I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, the organization in Minneapolis might be great and the demands that they make might be amazing, but I'm just talking about actually getting city council to follow through on what they said they're going to do, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah so they, they took a vote. What was it today? Or maybe it was yesterday. They took a vote saying, <clears throat> committing a, um, 
uh, veto-proof supermajority of the city council committing to disband uh, the police force and implement community safety, uh, community-oriented safety, evidence-based safety measures in its place. Um, and they gave themselves a, a, a timeline of one year uh, to meet with the community and figure out what those, you know, what that different structure is going to be. Shock! I was shocked. I was floored whenever I uh, saw that that happen. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, and and I and the um, the importance and the how amazingly good that is. Uh, I I don't think it should be downplayed, but um. Uh, at the same time, there's um, uh, some words of ca- some, there's some caution that should be uh, taken with you know uh, looking at that situation. I think you have to recognize that one, there are other police departments that have been di- disbanded and uh, reformed, and uh, uh, you know they, it's just like the same thing again. Um, but have they been pulled? But have their local leadership been pulled out of their homes into the streets and made to speak mm. to their decisions? No. Uh, yeah, no not, one's I ever been as confrontational as this crop yeah. of organizers and as Absolutely. this movement. So, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm not like approaching this from any position, but like cautious optimism about the potential for Minneapolis. But I do think. Um, they're being shortchanged in every way. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, no, no one's ever placed such a clear mandate on their local leadership yeah. as the folks in Minneapolis have. Um, and right, to the, be in the, a street the, the, surrounded by thousands of people and made to answer a yes or no question about defunding the police. I mean, I feel like their local leadership and people running are living in fear and they should be. Um, and I don't think that that, that specifically is something we've seen before. And I don't think that's going to get entirely sucked into, you know, the Democrats, Democrats and reforms. Mm-hmm. I can't see that happening um, unless they start killing people off and locking people up, which is a possibility, you know, so they did in Ferguson a thousand percent. Um, but yeah. Minneapolis made it a little bit further along, right? And so, yeah. again, I, I am obviously very trepidatious because those things are historical realities in terms of what they do with revolutionary movements. Even if this is not a revolution, like, the the tactics they're taking are, So you know? Don't get me wrong. Like, I've got I, – I don't – I have zero faith in the d- the democratic leadership that's – that, like, represents these people. It's not the – not the people that are like making the demands. I, I know that that's. I know that being in fear of <laughs> being in fear is a, a big motivator to actually uh, implement the mandate of the people. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, I'm just saying that I don't have faith in the Democrats. That's all I'm saying. Sure. I, I mean, I have faith in liberalism generally to figure out a way to mm-hmm. utilize the rhetoric of the moment and try to redirect it. Like I watched. Uh, right. You know, I watched John Oliver's show on on this moment of like uprising and on the question of defunding the police, mm-hmm. and uh, he sounded pretty rad, you know, uh, all the way through. But ultimately, like the takeaway from you know the episode was just it's really bad that cops can get away with killing people and that we need some reforms or whatever. And it essentially like 
it didn't really argue anything that the average liberal wouldn't have argued for a year ago, but it used all of the language that I've seen on demonstration after demonstration. Um, right. In terms of... That's what they do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that there... I mean, obviously we have to celebrate the broad popularity of defund the police as a slogan, but it's a really slippery slope right back to where we already were um, if we don't, if we're not super vigilant and like figure out a way to kind of cohere people in a, in the direction that they're already trying to go. Right. You know, like there's that, there's that saying uh, our ideas are all are in people's heads and they're just waiting to come out. I think this is one of those moments that proves that argument. So it's not like we've got to teach people what to think, but I do think we are all, we could easily be on the precipice of just letting liberalism repaint it, you know, cover itself in a new coat of paint. Let's say that uh, Minneapolis isn't 100% successful in this and it ends up being watered down somehow. That's That just means that this is the first place that it's really being tried. If it comes out 100% like great, then, you know, I, I just really don't know what to fucking think anymore, you know? Like, if it if it really works out well, then I I will be incredibly surprised. But th- this is this is the first this is the first stone being thrown, right? Well, uh, well, I don't it, I don't know. It, I mean, I I I don't know. I think I disagree because I, I I I don't. There's I don't you don't get from, um, uh, here to police abolition in a capitalist society. The state requires the capacity to use force to implement its dictate. Uh, and to uh, to protect um, the, r- the right to um, you know own vast amounts of wealth while other people are uh, you know hungry and ho- homeless and jobless and whatever else you, you don't you, you 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 literally cannot get rid of that that kernel that core of this is a a body of individuals. Uh, that are endowed with the right to use force uh, to make the population comply with the the needs and dictates of uh, of the state. Like there, you, you, there, there is no getting around that. No matter what they do in the reconstitution of uh, of this um, police force, short of transcending capitalism. Now, do you think they're I, not having that conversation? I'm sorry. This conversation is literally light years behind where organizers are there. Okay, okay. so do you think <laughs> Minneapolis is going to abolish capitalism? No, then? they're not. But, like, ultimately, so then, so then in one year, on they're, the they are going to re... Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that That's great. But in a year, whenever the city council votes on whatever it's going to vote on, that it's pledged it's going to vote on in one year, if they actually come around to it, it is going to involve the constitution of... Uh, the reconstitution of a body of people who are endowed with the right to use force uh, to implement the dictates of the state. That's, that is an unavoidable reality that is going to happen. No, they're just going to privatize that shit in their country clubs um, and gated communities. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying yes or no one way or the other, but like ultimately that's the most likely result of something like this. Um, and who knows who knows what what that'll actually look like for for working class people and communities of color um that there's a, there are a lot of unknowns i'm i'm not speaking from like a position of confidence on anything other than this conversation is shortchanging where things are actually on the ground 
I keep trying. What I was initially trying to get back to was actually a, a commendation uh, about what's being, what is being irre- irrevocably achieved there, and I haven't actually been able to get back to that point. Because, but I, I think part of what um, may be uh, going on in this conversation is uh, like you're hearing me. For example, it may be part of of you're hearing my uh, you know pessimism about the possibility of what's going to happen, and that me saying things like, "Well, it's because we have to over- overcome capitalism," and it sounds like I'm saying the organizers out there don't understand this, and I you know they need me to explain this to them. But that's not at all what I'm saying. I I am very confident that the 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 leaders of uh, uh, most of the protests around this country are very well aware of that and more aware of it than I am uh, and in in great great detail uh, what I am pessimistic about is the lack of the capacity to implement the necessary changes I I, I don't think that uh, that what we currently have happening has the organizational functional capacity to shut down capitalism, remove the United States government from its uh, ex- you know currently existing form, and replace it with workers' councils implementing the dictatorship of the proletariat. Well, you're right, but that's also love- uneven everywhere else. So, like the starting point in mm-hmm. Minneapolis, for instance, is divest and invest, right? Um, the starting point is defund. The starting point is dismantling. Whereas the starting point almost everywhere else was reform, was body cams, mm. was mm-hmm. trainings, you know, um, diversity um, classes and inclusion, um, community policing and uh, oversight boards. But in the in a matter of, you know, a few weeks it's gone from the the conversation has gone from that to defund the police right and and even what i was uh, what i was hoping to be able to sort of like uh, loop my, my my way back around to a positive note about minneapolis in particular what they've accomplished here is that the dissolution of the the police department there uh, and reconstitution of whatever it is that's going to come down the road is they've already achieved uh, light years more than uh, any other city that doesn't follow those footsteps uh, because the gr- single greatest obstacle uh, to most attempts at uh, real police reform, which is to say defunding the police, is the police union. And if you abolish the entire p- department, lay everyone off, then that union doesn't exist anymore. There are now like, the, you know, those same organizers could come into, a, you know, a newly constituted workplace and newly organize it, which will likely happen. Um, uh, and, you know, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But in the future, but they've already eradicated like the single greatest barrier to being able to implement massive sweeping change. Um, and uh, every and, and I, I very genuinely believe that, that we're, we're going to see in like real time the difference between the sorts of changes that happen in cities that don't uh, aren't able to take this gigantic, you know, leap into the future um, uh, versus what uh, what happens in Minneapolis. It's going to be different. And that's already happened. And it's irrevocable. 
Well, yeah, and, and I think that's the thing is like it's very clear that Minneapolis is literally ten years ahead of of everyone in terms of like laying the groundwork for the this conversation to even be possible about defunding, about disbanding. Um, the question really is just like, does everyone else catch up rapidly because it is being seen as like the most sympathetic battleground for something better. Right. Um, and I think that's harder to trace than, um, we're making it out to be. I don't, I don't think it's as clear cut because of how quickly folks are radicalizing now. Um, so I, I don't think that we can compare this precisely with previous times that Democrats have been able to co-op things. So I, I understand like the, 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 the caution in, in approaching this in any way other than like, realistically and i definitely don't have like a pie in the sky view of like what the potential for things look like and and i don't i don't mean to come off like that um but i i just don't think that this is this is like anything i don't i don't think that it's like you know immigration reform or you know marriage equality or anything else that that, uh, yeah, just considering what the starting point is, um, and how mm-hmm. far that that's moved in weeks. Right, right. Yeah. Like, like abolish ice is maybe a comparable sort of like a thing that you can compare it to and say that like, this is just not even close to the same thing because it's like, th- that was a, a, a movement that was like a popular political demand put on the, on the stage by, uh, you know, an I- isolated uh, electoral successes uh, here and there, individuals sort of putting that uh, back out into the you know ether of a potential thing that could happen. But e- even even in that instance, like the most radical thing that's um, that is being demanded is uh, to um, dissolve the, the entity ICE back into a comprehensive immigration um, uh, entity that's not a, um, a dedicated policing entity um um and uh it's extremely unlikely to happen it's it's just sort of a um um uh a a thing that individuals like AOC and I don't know other other individuals can harp on that point because it's popular with their constituency and in uh it's uh you know easy for conservatives to to sort of wield as a as a thing that they're against and you know, you better vote for us or else they're gonna abolish ice you know ah, it's so scary whereas what's happening in in minneapolis is they <laughs> the legitimacy of the state has been called into question yeah. like that's not you know they burned down the police station the like this is the it's uh, it's 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 a, it's it's so different. It's so category. It's not. There were no politicians who got elected to, uh, you know, implement this this demand of uh, abolish the police. <laughs> they, they, uh, rioters burned took over the police station and burned it down. That's uh, it's just so so much different. So categorically different than it. We're we're just not dealing with the same world that we were dealing with uh two weeks ago 
Everything's changed. This is a historic moment, and I don't want to. Tr- and I maybe maybe that's part of uh, the issue here. Is I I'm I'm looking like some uh, detached. Uh, I'm, maybe I am being some sort of you know detached uh, head in the clouds white boy who um, uh, doesn't really even isn't even involved enough to know uh, what the hell's going on, and I'm just sitting here sort of poo pooing. Uh, no, the, I don't think uh, that's it. I, I think it's moment. I think it's okay to like approach it. How, however, you know it's fine, um, but I mean it. It is clear that it's going to be uneven everywhere. Like our city council tomorrow, even CCPD is asking them for an extra million dollars in the midst of all of this. So because everyone's doing budgeting right now, so obviously people's responses are uneven it's not like everyone is caving to the will of the people and it's not like the will of the people is even clear everywhere so like i'm i'm not trying to make that argument um but i do think it's just a little more more advanced than um the democrats are giving it credit for Mm. oh no they're they they know how advanced it is and they're actively trying to to catch up put themselves in front and yeah. yeah, they're trying to co-opt to the language of the movement to to rein things in. And I think it's going to work some places. I think it's not going to work in other places. Um, I think that, like, as you've indicated, that Minneapolis is far too advanced for that to work. I think in other places, like, you know... Uh, Here? I don't know. Other places, yeah. I didn't want to shit on Corpus. It'd be like yeah. that, though. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Um, it's probably not going to work. I'd be re- I'd be very surprised if we get any any reforms to the Corpus Police Department. But there might be some fucking bullshit omnibus bill that gets passed through the House and Senate uh, that requires police to you know use proper pronouns <laughs> before they shoot somebody. You know. Well, right. Like the rules that the Minneapolis Police Department implemented, you know, over the last several years are going to become are likely to become the norm. They haven't done anything to like curtail the power of the police or the the scope or the scale of police militarization or mass incarceration or murder on the streets. But it looks good. Because, so that would be the world catching up to Minneapolis before the uprising. I mean at the world, sorry, that would be the country catching up to where Minneapolis was before the uprising. <laughs> In, in the book that we're talking about today, 40 minutes into the episode, um, um, the, he deals with, uh, which is the, the end of policing, right? Um, by, what the hell is this dude's name? Alex Vitale. Alex Vitale, right. Uh, he talks about procedural justice reforms and how those have been implemented in places all over the, all over the country. And Minneapolis is a test case for a lot of these reforms. And they, it was specifically, along with like a half a dozen other cities, chosen by the Obama administration to push through these reforms and to have things like, uh, of course, a reliance on community policing, uh, which is uh, has always been a dead end. But it, the, the re-implementation of community policing, meaning that people from the community police their own communities, right? Because they, they think that being able to have dialogue with the community and being able to have roots in that community is going to keep cops from uh killing the people to live there turns out that's not true 
uh, things like community dialogue sessions where you have police officers go into the gym and do a Q&A with the people that live in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Uh, body cameras, which they just turn off anyway. And even when they don't turn them off, they murder people in broad daylight and, and get away with it. And just say they were scared. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's what most training is, is just like uh, training police uh, on what they need to say in the police reports after doing shit. And diversification, which counterintuitively uh, actually has the opposite effect. Um, the idea that black police officers would be less likely to shoot black people or kill black people in, when policing actually turns out to be the opposite. So diversification has been a huge failure. Um and then behavior correction programs even, where they try to single out bad behavior in cops early on and train it out of them. So that doesn't work. <laughs> and oh, and Im- implicit bias training, trying to identify implicit bias and then train that out of people. Like, And this is – it's all such fucking uh, – Ideal, idealistic bullshit. Mm-hmm. None of this stuff addresses the material conditions that cause the racism and the violence. Right. It's all just like you got to oh, mindfulness training. You got to. <laughs> well, and, they literally and, have and, mindfulness and training programs impo- for cops. Uh, maybe even more importantly, uh, it's all shit that requires more money. You know, more money going NG- into the police department. It requires an NGO to be set up to travel around and train police departments and all this shit, you know? Which receives state or municipal grants, which is yeah. more money that the this, the uh, whatever the state or the city is putting into uh, uh, having a police department. That's the exact opposite of what we need to do. And uh, I'm going to bring up the eight can't wait real quick so we can shit on that. Can't um, wait. <laughs> God, is there a bigger fucking grifter than D-Ray? Oh, I don't think there is. It, well, His he, vest? He's, he's pretty successful at it. <laughs> what are the eight that cannot wait? Ban chokeholds and strangleholds, right? Which, which was are... in place when Eric Garner was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> choked. Yeah. And which are is in place in Chicago right now, right? Uh, where was Eric Garner? That was... Uh, New York City. New York City, okay. Um, required de-escalation. How is that not already the, the rule? And it's also just, it, this is, um, like, just vague enough to be interpreted any which way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what does that even so mean? The, <laughs> I the ban chokeholds and strangleholds. <laughs> the ban chokeholds and stranglehold things. It's like, cops will just fucking turn their body cameras off and do it anyway. Right. Yeah. And that, they do it all the time. Yeah. They do it all the fucking time. And then require warnings before shooting, which might be the dumbest fucking well, one. Well, real quick, just to circle back to the body cams, it's also the case that body cams are harmful because they incriminate people constantly. And it is mm-hmm. the opposite of trying to, like, work towards decarceration, too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you know, decriminalizing shit that shouldn't be criminal. So mm-hmm. more often than not, even when cops aren't doing something overwhelmingly brutal because the system is inherently brutal and like the things that are criminal and the nature of like catching people doing them on your body cam is fucking brutal so um you know it's 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 not just like hiding them killing people or or harming people you know it's it is also a tool that they have used 
in every which way. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, costs money that would be better spent on literally anything else. Hot dogs, potholes, (laughs) etc. There's some fucking contractor that makes body Mm -hmm. cams that's like, you know, in the ear of every Democratic senator. Absolutely. Police unions love um, it. That's a that's a propo- that's a that's why it's so widely adopted mm-hmm. is because they uh, they're like okay yeah he, d- more accountability it will catch the bad you know the bad eggs or whatever yeah. the bad apples uh, and they're it's just like that's more money that's being dumped into the police department right well that's why the the argument is for the reduction of both the scope and scale of policing it's it's right. the recognition that. No amount of money thrown at beefing up, you know, whether it's the size of the police force or the training of the police force or accountability measures like, you know, security cameras, but like body cameras, whatever. It's the recognition that none of that does anything other than expand the capacity of the police to do what they already do. So the argument has to be a death by a thousand cuts by saying your budget's too big. You should be able to police with less. Um, you shouldn't be, you know, oh, you can't afford the fucking tanks that, you know, were, did a tour in Baghdad three years ago. Oh, well, you know, sorry, we can't expand your budget. Yeah, and that's anathema to uh, the technocratic way of doing things, though. Technocrats think that the system is okay, and they just need to tweak a few mm-hmm. switches and levers here and there in order to fix things. Democrats have a 100% faith in the system, and the system of policing regardless of its fucking roots and its history of brutality and the fact that it is actually an industry that requires billions of dollars to sustain. And they, they think that it's just, you know, fine and dandy and needs a little bit of tweaking here and there. There's no such thing as a New York Democrat that doesn't just lick the fucking boot of every NYPD officer that they <laughs> sure, see, you know? Right. Here, let's, let's continue with these real quick, get through the rest of the eight. Um, Require warning shots before shooting, which is literally the dumbest one of all of them. That's so fucking stupid. Um, they just say, I'm going to shoot you and then shoot you. If they want to fucking shoot you, they're yeah. going to shoot you. That is what they do. Also, yeah. they say, like, you know, yeah. whatever, stop resisting. Uh, I'm going to. They say stop resisting as they're, like, pounding someone's fucking face with their hands t- handcuffed mm-hmm. behind their back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Require, <laughs> requires exhaust all alternatives before shooting. And, like, if that's not already something that cops do mm-hmm. then we should just disband all cops immediately. but also it just doesn't matter because all they have to, to say is matter. that they did um, yeah. and and a lot of times the argument is just that like well they were trained and they used everything that they were trained to do to de-escalate and to you know do all of these things and so that's why you, they need more training you know like the be- like best um, like worst arguments are that you know Duty to intervene. Now, if blows my mind that this isn't already a duty, is that officers need to intervene to stop excessive force used by other officers and report those incidents immediately to supervisors. Which, yeah, cops are real big on narking on each other. Yeah. They're fucking better than the mafia at keeping the fucking mouth shut. Mm-hmm. You're going to train that out? Of, you're going to train the thin blue line out yeah. of people. Yeah. Good fucking luck. Bans shooting at moving vehicles. Which... Blows my mind that that's not already one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember the UPS Requ- driver? Yeah. Require a use of force continuum, which restricts the most severe types of force to the most extreme situations. I, it's too fucking dumb for me to even comment on that one. Require comprehensive reporting. 
like cops don't have to write comprehensive reports. Uh, more paperwork. Okay, so <laughs> after. Yeah. So and none, and none of this includes disarm uh, the police. Right. All eight of those have been implement, implemented by the one of the most brutal and racist police departments in the country, which is the Chicago PD. They've got all eight of those fucking things already and still managed to fucking kill people of color on a regular basis and brutalize not just people of color. They just fucking kill yeah. people on a regular basis. They kill white people, too. That's one of the things you keep hearing. It's like, well, you know that they kill more white people than black well, people. Well, it's no like, one's fault that white people don't have enough self-respect to fucking do something about it. Exactly. That was going to be my the next thing I said. It's like, come on, white people. What the fuck? Get angry about it, then. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it all really just boils down to that none of them are systemic solutions, and even right, the exactly. Democrats have really co-opted the word systemic. Um, they're going to do mm-hmm. a whole intersectionality on it. Um, <laughs> so they're going to fucking bodies and spaces that shit up <laughs> a thousand percent. Um, you know that it, it n- none of the solutions are systemic. Um, and at a time when we're at least giving lip service that it is a systemic problem, um, it, they're just, it's just cute. Um, and, but I, but what I will say is that the number of people who in- instinctively responded to, you know, the idea of 72%, um, what was the number? Like decrease in murders, um, which is still would put us like <laughs> at number one in terms of police killings, probably. Um, we're just so, so advanced when it comes to that. The number of people who shared that and, and were, you know, earnestly optimistic and then immediately just like beelined away from it to begin talking about like correcting that <laughs> like instinct um i will say was was just a sight to behold and i and i mean that earnestly i'm not trying to like shade people who shared you know d-race <laughs> propaganda um mm-hmm. you know people are trying and i really do think people are learning um it's fucking cool and of course you know i have a limited what I see is very limited um, because, uh, you know, I'm I, I am who I am or whatever. But are you? <laughs> yeah, but like even <laughs> in terms of like people who I previously thought were like relatively apolitical or liberal, um, just like immediately being like, "Sorry, I put that up. Here's a better graphic." <laughs> um, in terms of like the eight to abolish was fucking well, cool. If you. If you're not used to thinking about things systemically, <laughs> if you're not like used to really thinking about things, could have been the end of the sentence, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not used to thinking about things systemically, then, like, honestly, diversity, tr- like, diversity in police departments sounds like a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. But it turns Banning out. Banning chokeholds fucking... sounds like a good idea, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, it, it, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, definitely I mean, nobody's I, against banning chokeholds. No, all that stuff needs to be done. But if that that is not an extensive like list of demands at all, you can put that as like a sub demand for one of our demands, which is like basic rules of interaction that that need to accompany the new disarmed, defunded police departments. Sure, okay. Um, Things like diversity training aren't even effective at like urban outfitters. Um, <laughs> so the idea that 
diversity training would have even a crumb of an impact on um, the police is, uh, you know, problematic. It's not just <laughs> not. It's not just idea idealistic it's just wildly fantastical it's, it's just like fucking it's like believing it, in it dragons, is, it, it is truly it's, delusional um but the problem is that like a, a lot of the people buying into that like aren't delusional they know that it, it won't make a difference but also working class people and black people are just it's fucking collateral so as long as they can can point to a thing that they said that they tried to do. And they're like, look at these eight things. We're listening. We're trying. I mean, that really is oh, their goal. Yeah. More, A lot of them more than actually having an impact, being able to say that they did. So when I was talking about people who aren't think- used to thinking about s- things systematically, I just mean like people on the ground, like yeah. the people that are in the streets and the people that are tweeting and posting or whatever that are just, sort of reflexively sharing things that look like they're pretty woke. So it's a good thing to share, you know, Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. That's fine. But like, I just mean that it's easy to be, to see how that could be, but like the Democrats themselves, they absolutely fucking know that this isn't going to do anything. They don't want anything to change. Mm -hmm. Right. They want to fucking put a a fresh coat of paint on the rotting, collapsing structure. Um, I wanted to look up the uh, the Democrat police reform bill real quick because <laughs> it's even worse and dumber. More? Oh yeah, definitely. Sorry, I mean, we you guys do. knew what you were getting into when you turned this fucking podcast on, though. Uh, let's see the Justice in Policing Act, which you already know it's going to be some fucking bullshit. One of the things that this article points out, though, is that we have we have the lowest crime numbers in our country's recorded history, right? But we still have the the incarceration rate is just insane, and then the number of pe- people that are killed by the police is just, of course, uh, d- does not seem to reflect the fact that we have a like such low crime rates. Oh, fucking Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Joe Biden. They've all got their fucking disgusting what neoliberal is, paws in on this. Biden's going to have to find a new lady because Klobuchar was canceled and Kamala is a cop. Um, <laughs> what's he going to do, uh, are y'all? They, are they tone deaf enough to just pick Kamala anyway? Honestly, probably. In <laughs> all I likelihood, I, 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 that's what it's looking like. Well, Biden came like, out and said he good I don't copper. Think so. Biden says he's not in favor of the defund the police demand. So, of course. Yeah, he just straight up said it. I think uh, okay, tone so. deaf is, it's, I mean, they might just be tone deaf enough to do it. They also might really want to make a very powerful statement by doing it. So, right, pushing um, the other direction. Yeah, that's possible. Okay, so the, the Justice and Policing Act includes the um, banning of chokeholds, right? Which a lot of departments have already banned chokeholds and then do them anyway. Let's see. No knock warrants being gotten rid of. Just no more no knock warrants, which I think that's fucking, that's actually fun. Uh, can I lighten um, the mood real quick? There is someone in Corpus yeah. Christi who um, was the victim of a no knock raid and he shot three police officers and he is a free man. So there's justice yeah. no sometimes. 
Well, if there was ever a state where you could shoot people coming into your house and get away with it, it would be Texas. (laughs) Okay, so getting rid of no-knock raids is a good idea. But then, of course, you just knock, and then you go in and kill people, right? So that's another fucking just half-assed reform that doesn't really do much. But I think that no-knock raids should be gotten rid of, along with raids in general. But yes, no-knock raids also. Um uh, that was the one that killed Brianna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville. How do you say it? Louisville. Louisville. You have to like you have I've to always, like I've swallow syllables. I still said it wrong. Yeah, Don't it, put that on there. Louisville. <laughs> it would make it easier for people to recover damages from police departments that violate their civil rights, and would make lynching a federal hate crime. Um, let's see. It would require local police departments to send data on the use of force to the federal government and create a grant program that allows state attorneys to state attorneys general to create independent process to investigate misconduct. Oh, good. Yeah. The fucking attorney general of the of the state investigate the cops in it. Yeah, that sounds fucking great. It's the Spider-Man yeah, yeah, meme. That'll be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so that's the vague outline of the things that are in there which they should make the public defender's office in charge of police prosecutions one of the demands that the that people have been making since the 90s and maybe earlier i'm not sure i'm not familiar with the history of the movement but civilian review boards for police departments that deal with uh complaints against the police yeah which as long as we have police departments the accountability for the police should be civilian Mm -hmm. and i don't know what those civilian review boards look like but having ia and the police department take care of internal problems with the police is it's fucking insane yeah Uh, i mean can we just have like can we do that with ourselves like if i have a complaint yes right i mean i think a a really good rule for whenever you're pushing for any change in a set of laws is that the people who you are looking to uh restrict oppose what you're doing then you're doing the right thing relative to your cause right and if they don't oppose it then you're doing the wrong thing so like if the police resist a civilian review board we should we should get one and if they're for it we should go oh shit how are they uh gonna use this so you know the thing is is they in most places they essentially pick who's on the civilian review board um, and I, well, that's and I be. do know people who have been on civilian re- review boards. And uh, a lot of times also they're like, okay, well, just once a year, you tell us um, how good of a job we're doing. And then uh, tell us to paint a rainbow on our car during Pride Month. You know? Um, right, right. So that obviously can't be what we're talking about. Though. <laughs> well, or, oh, or sure. The, or, oh. Um, or they just, make the review board toothless, you know, yeah. like it's it, it's not able to do anything. It, it can like issue recommendations or something like that. Short short of abolishing the police outright, if police are going to exist at all, there needs to be civilian oversight somehow. And it can't be this toothless bullshit well, that sure. we're talking about now. And even when they yeah. give scathing reviews, it's just like, okay, we hear you. We see you. We stand with you. Well, they've you. got they've got to have power. Also, yeah. the civilian <laughs> review board has to have power. Otherwise, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm against things that are fucking stupid. Um, that is that has been a longstanding position of Chris's that predates this podcast. <laughs> it is that that has meant on many occasions that I have been against myself. 
we've talked about now how that all the reforms that the Democrats have been proposing and that the Republicans think is just going to implement communism are completely useless and don't do anything at all. In fact, um, some of these reforms, police have just welcomed wholeheartedly, like we mentioned with body cameras. They're like, yeah, sure. We, we love those reforms. It'll, it'll help us be better cops. But then, of course, they don't do anything. So any, any reforms that the police wholeheartedly welcome, we should be like, mm, I don't know. Maybe we're not going to give you that. <laughs> um, but so, like, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But to really understand the systemic nature and irreformability of the police, we have to understand the history of policing, right? So the police were constituted the, the the idea the model of policing that we use in the United States the modern model of policing that we use in the United States was constituted uh, in two different ways as slave catchers slave patrols in the south and in the bigger cities in the north a model was brought over from Ireland or from London who created that model in Ireland as a way to deal with Irish people who were revolting against colonial occupation by the British. So the police, from their inception, have had a twofold purpose of rounding up slaves and being an occupying force against an unruly uh, native population, or non-native population, an unruly population. In the, in the case of the United States, of course, it would be not a native population. The populations that live there. But uh, let's That'd see. be like strikers, for example. Right. Or people... Exactly, yeah. People so, trying to petition their... Uh, Peaceably assemble, uh, petition their grievances, that sort of thing. Right. So strikers and uh, the the United States really tested out a model of policing on the Philippines after we took it from the Spanish in the Spanish-American War. And if you know anything about the USA's occupation of the Philippines, it was incredibly racist and incredibly brutal. And just Google what General Smedley Butler had to say about uh, the American occupation of the Philippines. And of course, General Smedley Butler is one of the people that came back to the United States and helped establish police forces in the United States uh, using the tactics that they had used to quell unrest in the Philippines against the native population there. And he implemented absolutely brutal methods of repression against immigrants that were being used to build the United States at the time. And against strikers and uh, making the police in the United States a force for political repression. The police started out as a force for political repression and a force for brutalizing and enslaving people of color. And it didn't change. It kept those things. It kept those deeply ingrained roots as a part of what makes the police department what it is. It's it's integral to the system from its inception. One of the things I thought was super interesting in this book was talking about the Pennsylvania State Police uh, being called the Pennsylvania Cossacks because the, the Slovak population that lived there was used to Cossacks being used by either the Poles or the Russians when whenever land was being, whenever borders were changing, being brought in as the people that would do the will of the state to brutally crush any kind of dissent. So the repression of political dissent is one of the key functions of the police. And we, we talk about COINTELPRO all the time. We talk about how uh, the, the cops will, I mean, 
one of the coolest things I've seen so far that the cops have done was uh, dress a bunch of people up like Hasidic Jews uh, to infiltrate or to be able to spy on the protests as they're happening. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> was that in video? Of that, yeah. <laughs> was that in Los Angeles? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't remember where it was, but it looks like they bought their fucking costumes at the Spirit Halloween <laughs> store or something. Like, the, the, like they've got those the, the fake Amazon like sidewalks. Prime, baby. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the cops like it's on it's on Saturday, right? It's on Sabbath, and the cops like using his cell phone to communicate, which like anybody <laughs> yeah. that's Jewish knows, like. But anyway, yeah, they they, they they didn't even do the bare minimum of research for this fucking, uh, you know. They're for the this NYPD, thing. And of course, whatever not the FBI. Sh- I can remember one instance back in the day organizing. Uh, you know, we had a meeting somewhere, and the guy with a fucking crew cut, and like you know too tight t-shirt with like bulging you know biceps wearing fucking tactical boots comes in and starts talking about how he thinks that the socialists should stockpile weapons and stuff like that we're like bro fuck you get out of here cargo pants Um, dead giveaway no one one has crew cuts about all the that's time that i would like to spend talking about the history of the police and if you guys really want a detailed history of the police that goes into um a bunch of instances of these sorts of things and how and how the police evolves from what it is to what it is now what it was to what it is now then definitely pick up this book because it's incredibly readable and it's uh it's actually really good but um the interesting thing about the history of policing is that is the late date that it begins in the late 1800s in the united states that's when we get police forces for the first time the late 1800s in great britain too we didn't have police for a majority of human history, right? Of course, there were there were always law enforcement mechanisms, like there's sheriffs yeah. that exist in medieval in the medieval period and in the Anglo-Saxon medieval period. Anyway, sheriffs existed, and they like ha- get together a couple of guys and go serve warrants and stuff like that. Or uh, the the constable also existed, who would just basically be a, a representative of the lord or the king to carry out their will. And that might include arresting someone every once in a while, but a standing police force is an invention of capitalism, which is needed to quell dissent in a democracy because you can't just call out soldiers to mow everybody down all the time and still pretend to be a democracy. Right. What you've got to do is have sustained violence and terror at all times to quell a population to keep it from utilizing its democratic rights. Right. The only way that you could effectively police with the military is if you had a population which wasn't constantly stepping outside of the bounds of whatever you set. But if like everything's illegal, if like constantly year after year, more and more things are illegal, you know, like there was a time before cocaine was illegal. There was, there a, was time, a time before well, jaywalking. I like to refer to that as the good old days. <laughs> there was a, there time, was a time before the constant jaywalking was illegal. Right, exactly. There, there was a, there was a time in modern industrial, um, post Civil War United States, even where, uh, you know, basically like there was no, there was no such thing as a war on drugs at one point, right? So yeah. the more and more that's actually worth talking about too. Yeah, continue. The only way that you could police, uh, you, that you could effectively keep the peace in a country with just the forces available in the form of like the military or a militia or some volunteer citizens you know, peacekeeping brigade would be if you didn't have a population that constantly stepped outside the bounds of the law. And that would mean that you'd have to live in a society which didn't constantly criminalize things more and more year after year. So 
it is interesting to, you know, like you said, to note that the police basically come into existence at a certain point, kind of all around the same time. And it looks like it happens to be around the same time as the factory system. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that the book mentions is uh, proletarianization was the impetus for the creation of the police. Right, once you create a, 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 a new section of the population, which will be basically forever pushing back against the constraints put on it, then you need a police force. Which is why first you need it for slaves, right? Because they're always trying to run away. And then you need to dramatically expand it once it's Draped all workers. Yeah. That's all. Slaves and wage slaves are the things that the police are needed to control. Um, and they are needed, so, though. And that's, that's, you know, I think that's one of the barriers that this, this whole... Um, moment is is I, I I think inevitably going to butt up against. Now it'll be real interesting to see what happens at that point. You know what direct yeah what 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 are the forces on the ground at work at that point when that does happen? I you know I don't know. What functions of the police? do they not need to be doing? Because that's one of the things that this book talks about too, is that the police have taken on a number of functions that they neither want to be doing, first of all, and second, have no business doing. Um, with the rollback of the, of the uh, a social welfare system in the United States, we've had, we've increasingly just used police to take care of things that social workers would normally be taking care of or uh, people who don't just see every problem as a, as a nail that needs to be hammered down because cops are hammers yeah. and they see all problems as nails. Right. right. I mean, that is that is so, what they are. They are human. The, 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 the they are the hammers of uh, you know, the, the carpenter that is the bourgeoisie. <laughs> So, I mean, this really, in my mind, if we can, God, is there a better word than capitalize on this moment? Um, (laughs) Um, Das capitalize? Take take advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, is that it it will be illuminating in the event we're able to begin having, having these conversations about what what institutions and and what fields are better equipped to handle the things that police are handling um, in terms yeah. of like mental health crises, in terms of addiction, because those responses are still largely privatized in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even the way they're approached um, are completely... I mean, it's like education, right? Edu- of course, like public education um, is vital and we've been fighting for it and to keep it for however long. But we also know how tainted our public education system is by privatization, whether that's textbooks or testing or the food that's served or the security or paying the police force to be on campus. You know, it's going to be just like, just like that, right? So I think that this really has the potential to blow the lid wide open and expose capitalism's mm. entire ass um, because because it is true. It's not just the case that you can 
unload all of this work onto social workers, you know, who are already spread super thin and who are already working in this, uh, you know, less than ideal system and trying to put the pieces together of a system that is, isn't conducive to the work that at least the best social workers are trying to do, you know? Um, same thing with child right. protective services, which is essentially an arm of, of law enforcement, you know? Um, right. All of these things are, are, are problems too and will need to be reformed where they can be reformed and will need to be completely reimagined in a lot of instances. So I think a lot of people are, are, are on the right track in saying these are the things – yeah, these are yeah, popular demands. These, these right are the now. things yeah. that need to take over these functions of the police department. Mm-hmm. But I think we will quickly find that they are better. But also, there are huge limitations to unloading um, this labor off onto other workers within this the context of the Especially, system. You know, right within the the system as it as yeah. it exists now. Like, I mean, I think that the purpose of defunding the police is so that we can use that money elsewhere. Yeah. So, like, if we're going right. to be if we're going to be sending social workers to uh, mental health calls instead of cops, that means we need to drastically yeah. increase the number of social workers and give them specific kinds of training in order to be able to deal with that sort of thing, right? And if we're going to be dealing with uh, sending some sort of, I don't know if this if if this would even exist, like in, instead of sending cops to deal with people that are strung yeah. out or uh, you know people that are passed out on the street from homeless people that you know are drunk on the street or whatever we're sending other kinds of agents of the state who are who have the goal of you know rehabilitating and taking care of people instead of just picking them up and throwing them the drunk tank overnight or well right and it's that presumes facilities unique to those problems as opposed to just drunk tanks exactly so there needs to be like first of all like homelessness doesn't does not need to be something that needs to be responded to you know, right. by any yeah. kind of agent of the state, unless it's to go hand someone a flyer to say, look, you can come sleep here for free and we'll help you get your life on track if that's how, if that's what you would like, you know? That's the only kind of agent of the state we need to be sending after homeless people. Um, you know, here's a place to live. Here's a place, here's some fucking, like, food stamps to go buy money or whatever. To go buy um, money. But that, of course, is... You said to huh? go buy said money. go buy money. Hell yeah. Go buy money, yeah. Actually, just <laughs> give them money. How about just $20? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would <laughs> like to purchase $20, please. The The number one thing that would almost completely just make crime in the United States disappear is if we just fucking legalize drugs. Right. Yeah. Almost all policing is drug-related. Yeah. Almost all crime is at least peripherally drug related, you know? Right. And well, and the protection of uh, proprietorship uh, to black market goods, which are made black market by their illegality, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, like peripherally related. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I think that that, I, I think discussion about what, what, you know, what we leave, what society leaves, what are we able to sort of whittle away at while we still have capitalism versus not? I I think depend does depend on what kind of capitalism you're talking about. Um, uh, I, I think there are, there's not a whole lot woke capitalism that you can take like. away from um, um, the police. Uh, so I I don't think that there's a whole lot you can take away from the police 
if we are operating on the presumption that neoliberal capitalism is the order of the day, that it is a, a sort of the precondition, that is the it is the 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 ground work or whatever that is it's the basis on which we're we're laying um the structure of policing on then uh then you don't have the provision of any other social social services it's still a you know it there are still these problems that appear in society uh and so it has to be uh, treated on the back end with uh, a club and a gun you know um uh, that said, take away their guns. That said, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, well, well, I mean, yes, but then you diminish uh, police ability to enforce the rule of law, which I think a lot of the elites don't want to see that uh, reality. I, I think I, I bet you a lot of liberals, uh, you know, wealthy liberals and that sort of th- uh, uh, sort of thing, would be perfectly fine fine with disarming the cops, most patrol cops, if. We also implemented widespread nationwide uh, and effective gun control, but they would, I think most liberals would argue that you can't disarm the cops so long as the population is, uh, is not disarmed. But, um, that's why everybody needs guns, (laughs) but the, that's why no one fucked uh, with our protests, but they fucked with the like peaceful mm, cop inviting protests because we had the socialist rifle association come and, God damn. Yeah. And, well, you know, in Seattle, that we had, there was a guy who drove into a metal uh, barricade, and then when um, protesters surrounded the car, he shot one of them and then got out and snaked his way through the protest yeah. and uh, and uh, took refuge with the police. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, so, um, but that said, I think that even within neoliberal capitalism, I think you can remove uh, um, addiction, uh, drug use. Uh, substance use and addiction and uh, and sex work. You could you could say, okay, we are now going to remove these from the realm of things that police are dealing with, and you you can leave neoliberal capitalism in place, and it would still be a functional system. I think. Yeah. I think going anywhere beyond the uh, de- decriminalization of sex work and, and substance use, uh, I think you have to start talking about. Uh, at least reforms to capitalism to implement sort of Keynesian measures of dealing with social problems through other means, through social spending, uh, through other means. And, and and then you're objecting to neoliberalism, but you can still leave the basic, uh, you know, economic relationship be- between capital and the working class in place uh, while sort of, you know, implementing these, these uh, social services, that sort of thing. So, uh, I think we could go a long way into progressive capitalism with removing things out of the category of what what police are uh, given to deal with without actually um, undermining capitalism itself unless oh – God, I'm talking to myself in circles now – but un- unless you get to the point in capitalism where, uh, you know, Keynesianism uh, hits stagflation and, uh, you know, uh, the the capitalist classes profits are being squeezed and they have to implement neoliberalism again like we saw in the 70s we talked about you know sex work mental health homelessness and schools is the thing that i forgot to mention getting cops the fuck out of right. schools that needs to happen. Like, 
Uh, no, it absolutely I, does. But I, I think that it's starting I think that, to. Uh, that point it's starting yeah it, uh, I, I think that, that 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 sort of points to the difference though is because that that that's a uh, an instance where you have to take the funds allocated to policing and divert them into uh, effectively social work in the schools social workers in the schools who are there to help kids who are having trouble and probably causing problems uh to deal with whatever the fuck's going on in their life rather than dealing with it by you know put uh putting kids in, in juvenile hall or whatever uh, and starting them down the road. When, when I was in high school, uh, there was a fight and the, there was a black kid and a white kid and the cops restrained the black kid and then pepper sprayed him in the face while they were restraining him. And at the same time, pepper sprayed the cop that was restraining him. <laughs> Shout out to Flower Bluff ISD. <laughs> and like a uh, fucking six white girls that were standing behind <laughs> them were like watching That's hilarious. so poor kid but at least the cop guys you know everyone's got their horror stories about police in their high schools yeah my high school had a that. black hallway uh you can guess where our security was posted up <laughs> The last section is what is to like what is to be done, and I think we've already been talking about that right, already. Well, already, already been already talking about it. We've well, frankly, my conclusion uh, is that uh, a lot more cities need to start burning down their um, precincts. Bold, brave. Well, we just closed up a conversation about like a series of reforms, and I think it's important to be able to sort of just put it out very plainly that uh, for the concerns about co-optation and recuperation and weak reform packages which amount to even less than window dressing because it's just like generalizing things that already exist in places where the police also get away with murder that even though we talk about those things i do think it's important that we do we we lay it very clearly out that um every single possible limitation uh and break on police power that can be conceivably implemented has to be it's this. It's the mm-hmm. same as a union contract. Uh, it, it's this, it's the same thing as a contract where you raise your wages uh, a little bit. Um, it's the same as uh, you know. It's the whole dis- discussion that this country's left has had about Medicare for all over the last couple of years. Um, we have been facing a monolithic power for so long that the very thought of shattering it the, to, even for that thought to enter people's heads that you can shatter this monolith requires cracks to be able to prove the point um i think there's a there's a way of approaching these broad systemic questions which is so dismissive of the process of revolution and the process of consciousness um like you can say uh and i think rightly you can say you're never going to fully abolish police until you abolish the state until the state withers, until the social utility and function of the police is gone. That's true. But there's nowhere to go from that discussion other than to just agree with the ultimate victory uh, of communism. So, like, however pessimistic we are about our prospects, however gloom and doom we are about what's ahead of us, and however huge the problems seem, if we can make cracks in the edifice, we have to. So like, so, like, get like, IHOP to stop giving them discounts. Right. <laughs> even even something as small as that, to just 
You ever been in a fight before and you get punched in the face and it knocks you back on your heels a little bit? And if you, uh, you can, you can regain your footing and you can get back in there, but that's that split second where you could also lose the fight, right? That's what we need. We need to put the police as an institution in this country on their heels a little bit for once, just so we can get some breathing room. And that's not like in some, in a lot of cases, that's literal, right? Because it is a matter of like mm-hmm. stemming the flow of blood on the streets. Um, I think that we have to be able to advocate what some people call non-reformist reforms and any limitation on the power of the state to murder the citizens when they get up. Uh, I'm not going to say uppity <laughs> to murder citizens whenever they uh, step out of bounds. Any limitation that we could put on that at all is a necessary crack in that edifice. Um, well, I read Reform and Revolution and I didn't retain any of it, but I do remember that it says reform or revolution, and I'm for revolution. <laughs> Love when people read the title. Uh, like, party know, right? and class. I, it, it both does. of them, right? <laughs> Listen, I kind of think we need I mean, a party and we also need a class. Yes, it's just the, so, um, Russell Luxemburg says democracy is indispensable not because it renders superfluous the conquest of political power by the proletariat, but because it renders this conquest of power both necessary and possible. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you, and so does Russell Luxemburg. Reform or revolution. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, is that it's like any other um, reform, so long as capitalism exists, and it's so long as it exists within the... That's the same sentence. It exists within the system... Um, it and is not going to be able to do shit. Like we have public education, but everyone's still dumb as fuck. Um, so <laughs> there's that, right? Uh, I I mean that in the most loving way. Just please, <laughs> listeners, bear with me when I say I've been organizing my ass off. I'm in the belliest of the beast, and I yeah. <laughs> have expended all of my patience for like speaking with any tact, and I apologize. But not really. So, yeah. And, and, and so I think the same, we would be faced to, with the same questions if we had, you know, universal healthcare, which is like, it's good in terms of pre- preventative medicine. It's good in terms of treatment, obviously. But why are so many people needing to be treated? It forces us to contend with questions about food, right? Um, it forces us to answer questions about the environment and the people who are, are impacted you know, buy it. And then that forces us to question, you know, environmental racism. You know, why do people need to be treated for problems that are being created by this system? Right. Um, and also universal, universal healthcare doesn't even change the fact that, that, that healthcare itself is still privatized, even if insurance isn't. So it, it's, we're gonna have to really sharpen up on those questions of like, reforms that let's see how do i phrase this are baller <laughs> yes reforms that are worth fighting for but pushing beyond them um and i, I think that's that's going to be the hardest thing because we know very well that the the shortcomings of the public education system for instance are what right-wingers use to be able to push for privatization, to push for charter schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to be faced with similar things if and when we abolish the police. 
And of course, I'm hopeful for it. I think it would be better the same way I think people would be even more stupid if we didn't have public education, right? Um, K-12 is worth fighting for. It's worth defending tooth and nail. Um, we have to get it funded. But again, like these are the arguments that we're going to come up against. And I, I, you know, it, we have work to do. <laughs> so I just saw, you know, the, uh, the mayor of DC, um, Muriel Bowser had the Black Lives Matter thing painted on the street. And she just said that she thinks that when people say they want to defund the police, she believes that they mean they want reform and good police. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Thanks. Yeah. yeah like, you know, there was a there was a popular chant at some of the demonstrations here in Los Angeles uh, back when there was a curfew. And it went, uh, fuck your curfew, we don't need you. But what we really meant by that was, um, we're about to go home, and thanks for all your hard work. Dreaming dreams of a life of crime In and out of trouble 